The following podcast is a live recording of a radio show first broadcast by Fresh FM with assistance from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details. Kia ora. thanks for tuning in to the most down-to-earth kids radio show in New Zealand, The Kids Mix, with me, Kath B. We'll have songs, stories, fun facts, giveaways, and what's that noise? Plus, Susie Cato joins us with Susie and Friends. The Kids Mix, with me, Kath B, on Fresh FM. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. You've had some rest, now it's time to wake up. You feel refreshed, now it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. You've had some rest, now it's time to wake up. You feel refreshed, now it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. Wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. With me, Kath B. Now this one's about my Here's a song by Sonia. Captain Festus McBoyle called Sonia the Snake. And I promise to go this time. Out the door. And my pet snake's name is Sonia. And you wouldn't want my pet snake upon me. She likes to read. To the left. She likes to read. To the right, she likes to sleep all through, through the, the day. day, and then she rims through the night. Oh, how my pet snake's name is Sonia, 
want my pet snake a pop. She likes to wriggle in, in a trunk. She likes to wriggle around her knees. She likes to hide behind a rock. Uh, her name she wriggles in your yes. Watch out for Sonia. Watch out for Sonia. Our story today is called Pania of the Reef. Pania of the Reef. Karetaki was a handsome young man, tall and strong. He was admired greatly by all the young women from near and far. But Karetaki showed no interest in any of them. One evening at dusk, he was walking alone on a sandy beach, lost in his thoughts, when he noticed a movement over by some rocks. He stopped still and observed. He could make out the shape of a young woman. This young woman was unfamiliar to Karetaki, and he moved closer to have a look. She was covered in seawater, and her eyes were as green as the seaweed. As Karataki gazed, he felt a warm stirring in his chest. The next moment, the young woman turned, and on seeing Karataki, gasped in surprise. Do not be afraid. Come and talk to me, whispered Karataki. And they gazed deeply into each other's eyes. Karetaki gently took the young woman's hand and asked, Who are you? And where is your home? I have never seen you before. The young woman looked away out to sea and said, I am Pania of the Reef. My home is the wild ocean. My people are of the sea. Every evening, my sisters and I come and play on these rocks. We watch the beautiful sunsets, and we watch you from afar. Now Karetaki understood why he had never seen her before. I am Karetaki, and I love you. Will you come and be my wife? Pania shook her head sadly. I cannot. I am of the sea, you are of the land. And still they gazed into each other's eyes. At last, Pania agreed to leave the sea and live on dry land with Karetaki as his wife. Karetaki knew the pull of the sea was very strong and he made Pania promise never to go back to her people. Karetaki was afraid of losing his beautiful maiden of the sea. Karetaki and Pania were very happy until one day 
Karataki came to Pania and said, I must leave you alone. It is time for me to hunt the fat kereru. I will be gone for a few days. Pania begged her young husband to stay, but his mind was made up and he would not change it. That night, as Pania lay alone in her bed, she listened to the sound of the breakers rushing in, and she could hear her sisters calling, calling her from the reef. Pania! 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 Pania turned over and tried to block out the sound of her calling sisters. But they called on and on. Very soon, Pania felt the longing too great and she climbed out of bed and walked down to the sea. There were her seven sisters sitting on the reef with their arms outstretched. Pania, come and play with us, they called. Pania replied, no. I am married to Karataki. I love him, and I am never returning to you. Please stop calling me. I have made my choice. I am going to live on the land with Karataki. And she turned to go home. Her sisters called again. Pania! Pania turned and looked back at her sisters. Come in for one last game with us, they urged. Pania thought, one little game with my sisters wouldn't hurt, and my husband will never know. She waded out into the sea, and her sisters came to meet her, and joyfully they all dived and bobbed amongst the breaking waves. Then they rested out on the reef. The eldest sister said, Pania, our beloved parents have grieved since you left. Come down for a short visit. Your husband will never know. Finally, Pania agreed. She agreed to go into the ocean depths for one last visit to her parents. Down she plunged. Down, down. The cool water soothed her skin and the little fish came up to greet her. Pania wept for joy when she was reunited with her mother and father. She told them of her love for the man of the land, Karataki. A shadow passed over her father's face. That night... As Pania slept beneath the ocean, her father built a cage around her bed. And when she awoke, she realized what had happened. Her family had trapped her, and now, never again, would she be able to live up on the land with her karatake. She wept bitterly and begged her parents to set her free, but they would not. You belong here, Pania. You are of the sea. This is your home, they reminded her. When Karatake arrived home, he realised at once what had happened. 
he rushed down to the beach and called for his wife. Pania! Pania! It is me, your husband, Karatake. Come home, my beloved. Come home. And far below, Pania heard his desperate calls. She called back, but her voice was lost in the sound of the waves breaking on the rocks. Night after night, Karetaki returned to the beach and sadly waited for his wife to return. But she never did. When the moon is full on the glistening sea, sometimes Pania comes to the reef with her sisters. Pania gazes longingly at her home and she thinks of Karataki. People say at times you can hear Pania on the reef calling, calling, ever calling, longing for the love of her lost husband. Thank you. 
Make it sound like a seagull. Caw, 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 caw. <laughs> and this next song by Music with Michael, called the Seagull Song, you'll be able to do it a lot. Have fun. I am a lover of the sea. Yeah, I love chilling at the beach. In fact, you might remember me. the sound of has twins. They're called Barry and Tani. Here's a song called The Adventures of Barry and Tani. We're going on an adventure. What can you see? What can you do? The pit is a tent, the garden, a jungle, the bath is a boat where our bikes float. We wave goodbye to the vet. Where the monsters are meaner. The monsters are meaner. 
treasure So no one can find your loot Arr, you're a pirate Find your loot Oh, where did I pit it? Arr. lost his wings. Hmm, let's find out, because our story today is by Peter Gwynn, and it's called How the Kiwi Lost His Wings. Early one morning, Pookie the Kiwi was creeping back to his little den under the old rata tree, walking very slowly, because in the daytime the light hurt his eyes and he couldn't see very well. He kept his head close to the ground, and his long bill touched it now and then as his head nodded. And as he walked, he puffed and snuffled. He looked rather like an old blind man with a cane, tapping his way along the street. Pookie was very tired, because he'd been up the whole night, hunting for worms and beetles to eat. And now he was looking forward to a good sleep in his warm nest. Now in the trees up above, one or two of the birds were watching. And as they always did when they saw Pookie shuffling along... They said to each other, what a pity it was that he couldn't fly. Of course, it didn't worry Pookie because he was used to walking. So he wasn't at all annoyed this particular morning when a fantail danced down beside him and said, Pookie, I'm very sorry you can't fly in the trees like I can. Doesn't it make you sad? No, replied Pookie, not in the least. As a matter of fact, a long time ago, we Kiwis could fly every bit as well as you can. Goodness, said the fantail, I didn't know that. 
C could we hear about it? Certainly, said Pocky. So all the birds gathered round to listen. Long, long ago, said Pocky, many thousands of years ago, in fact, the kiwis could fly as well as any other birds. But you must remember, friends, this was a very long time ago indeed. In fact, not long after the great Maui fished up this island from the depths of the ocean. There was much more forest in those days than there is now, and the god of the forest was the mighty Tani. Now Tani loved the forest and the birds that lived there, and the birds themselves were very happy and sang from morning to night. Some of those birds you wouldn't recognize today. For instance, Tui had no white bib under his chin, and Morpork wasn't brown as he is now, he was quite brightly colored. And as for us kiwis, well, we lived in treetops like the kaka and fed on berries and nectar from the bush flowers. And instead of having browny grey feathers, we were as brightly coloured as Pukeko is today. But remember, this was a long, long time ago. The great Tani was a father to the forest. He saw that the giant cowries had room to grow tall and straight and made sure that the young rimus with their beautiful drooping branches had space to grow. When the winds and rains came and threatened to blow down the great trees or wash them down the gullies, he pleaded with Rangi in the sky, and the wind would drop and the rain cease and the sun would shine again. Then, one terrible summer, there came a plague of insects, and the floor of the forest was swarming with creeping, crawling things. Great beetles, long brown centipedes, fat, wriggling worms. They attacked the trees, eating the bark and the leaves and the roots, until the bush was no longer green, but a feverish, sickly yellow. So Tani called all of the birds of the forest together, and they came to him, the fantail, the pigeon, the tui, the moorpork, the kaka, the cuckoo, and every bird of every kind that lived in the bush. And Tani said, Birds, you know this terrible thing that is happening to the forest. Only you can save it. And the birds looked at one another and said, How? How can we save the bush, Tani? Tani answered them, some of you must come down from the trees and live on the ground. You must forget the light and sunshine of the treetops and live in the gloom of the forest floor. You must forget the sweet berries and the nectar and instead eat these creeping things that are destroying our forest. Which of you will do this? And none of the birds answered him. So Tani spoke to the shining cuckoo, Cuckoo, will you come down from the treetops and live on the forest floor? But the cuckoo hung her head and said, Great Tani, I am building my nest in the trees and I cannot leave it to go and live on the ground. Then Tani asked the moorpork, Oh, Ruru, little moorpork, will you come and live on the ground and stop this plague for us? But the moorpork looked the other way and said, Great Tani, I love the light. The forest floor would be too dark for my eyes. So Tani spoke to the Tui. Tui, 
Will you do this thing for me and come and live on the forest floor? But the Tui said, Great Tani, I am afraid. I do not know what enemies I should meet on the ground. I cannot do it. Then Tani said to the Pukeko, Surely you will come down and live on the ground, will you not? But the Pukeko said, Great Tani, the ground is cold and damp, and I like to keep my feet dry in the high branches of the trees. Besides, the birds admire my bright colours. I would miss the company of all the other birds if I went to live on the forest floor. Perhaps some other bird will do this thing you ask. Now, Tane spoke to the kiwi, the beautiful kiwi that lived high in the tops of the trees, and said, Kiwi, will you do this thing for me? Will you come down and live on the forest floor? And because Kiwi loved the bush even more than he loved the high trees and the sunlight and the nectar of the flowers, he said, Yes, Tani, I will do it. Then Tani said, If you come down to the floor of the bush, you must lose your bright colours and become as dark as a shadow, so that you are not easily seen. You must lose your wings, so that in the long evenings, when you sigh for your old life in the treetops, you cannot return there. And your slim legs must grow thick and strong, so that you can run quickly along the ground. Will you still come down and live on the forest floor? And the kiwi bowed his head and said, Yes, Tani, I will. Turning to the other birds, Tani said, Kiwi of all the birds is not selfish. You others thought not of the forest or of the other birds, but only of yourselves. You did not care if the forest died. And so that you and all others will remember your selfishness, I shall change you all. Cuckoo, you told me you were too busy building a nest to help me. From this day forth you shall never build another nest. You will lay your eggs in the nests of other birds, and they will scorn you. And Morpork, you who love the light, from now on you shall live in the gloom of the forest, and fly only in the black of the night. Tui, poor cowardly Tui, who is too afraid to come and live on the ground. From this day you shall wear at your throat the mark of the coward, the white feather. And where is Pukeko, vain Pukeko, so proud of his bright colours? Pukeko, who will not get his feet wet. Pukeko, who loves the company of other birds. From now on, your feet shall know only the dampness of the swamps, and you shall live in the lonely places, 
and spend your days far from the birds of the bush. But Kiwi, brave and noble little Kiwi, though I must take away your wings and your bright feathers, your goodness shall never be forgotten. In years to come, you will become a symbol of this country. You will be known in every corner of the world. You other birds, those who, although I did not ask, would not offer to help me, you also I shall punish. I shall make you silent, and the voice of a bird shall never be heard in the forest again. Then Tani looked up and saw a bellbird looking at him, her face indescribably sad. And because he still loved the birds in spite of their selfishness, he said, Bellbird, you have touched my heart, so I shall make your punishment less severe. I will allow each of you to sing during the day but you may sing in full chorus only at dawn when the sun first touches the bush so that each fresh day you will remember. Then Tani was gone and the birds flew away, Morpork to the deepest, darkest, most secret parts of the bush, Pukeko to the dismal swamp, Cuckoo to hunt for nests to lay her eggs in. And Kiwi found himself on the ground, as grey as a ghost, without a trace of his wings, and with his legs that once were thin, now strong and thick, to scrape away the covering of dead leaves on the bush floor. And from that day to this, the birds haven't changed. Tui still wears his white feathers, and Pukeko still lives in the lonely swamp. And Kiwi still lives on the ground and keeps it clear of crawling, creeping things. So it has been for many thousands of years, and so it shall always be, for Tane himself ordered it. His story told, Puki shuffled off home to sleep. I have a mighty muscle, I use it every day If I didn't have it, I wouldn't have much to say It wouldn't really matter if I was old or I was young I wouldn't get far without it, can you guess? Guess it's my tongue! Alright, get ready to do some mighty muscle exercises with your tongue. Here we go, let's do some mighty muscle push-ups against the roof of your mouth. Come on, you can give me five of those. Up, down, up, down. Come on, a few more. What about some mighty muscle wipers? First inside your mouth, one side to the other. That's it, now outside your mouth Get that tongue working What about some mighty muscle sit-ups From your bottom teeth to the top 
joining me here on the Kids Mix on Fresh FM. If you were in an enchanted forest, what do you think you'd see there? Perhaps some fairies. Or maybe you'd see a house made of chocolate. This is my song about the enchanted forest. Toadstools and fairies and eyes looking down at you from the trees. Witches and goblins and whispers that carry on the breeze Mystical waterfalls casting a spell on you Find what you're looking for in the enchanted forest Wizards and dragons and wild you into its tune Fountains of water that keep you young forever Find what you're looking for in the enchanted forest What will you see? Magic and mystery Let your run wild soft moss and tree roots that come to life under your feet 
forest Snow-covered mountains And statues of ice That might follow you Mist rising up from the ground Forming shapes right in front of you Rays of the sun Shining patches of light Through the trees Find what you're looking for In the enchanted forest What will you see Joining me, Kath B, on the Kids Mix on Fresh FM. Here's a story called Tubby the Tuba. Once upon a time, there was an orchestra which was all busy tuning up. First, the oboe gave his A to the strings... To the woodwinds. To the brass. Up and around the scales they raced, helter-skelter, faster and faster. All but Tubby the tuba. A fat little tuba puffing away, but oh, so slow. Oh, what lovely music, thought Tubby, and sighed. Here, what's the matter, said Peepo the Piccolo. Oh, said Tubby, every time we do a new piece, you all get such pretty melodies to play, and I never, never a pretty melody. But people never write pretty melodies for tubas. It just isn't done. Oh, there's the conductor. Shh. First, the violins danced the lovely little tune on their strings. Then they cried to the flute, Catch! Got it, cried the flute. My turn, tooted the trumpet. 
cello. The oboe. The bassoon. While Tubby went, um pa, um pa. Catch me, cried the little zoon, catch me. Got you, cried Tubby. You're sitting on me, said the little tune. Poor Tubby picked up the flat little tune and tried to squeeze it back into shape. You clumsy fool, snapped the violins. I'm sorry, Mr. Fiddle, said Tubby. Fiddle indeed, and the violins quivered with great indignation. You will please address us as violins. Fiddles, indeed. Tubby, said the conductor. Tubby, what is the matter? Please, sir, I thought it would be so nice to dance with the pretty little tune instead of going oompa, oompa all the time. Dance, laughed the violins. Dance? Well, really? The French horn quietly put his hand to his mouth and smiled, and the whole orchestra began to laugh. Stop it, cried the conductor. Stop it, I say. Tubby? Please, sir, I wasn't laughing. Rehearsal was over. Tubby was walking home with Peepo the piccolo. said Tubby. I just feel so bad. I don't think I want any company. I understand, said People. Good night. Good night, said Tubby. The moon was out. Tubby went to the river and sat down on a log. And he looked at himself in the water. Alone am I, me and I together. If I went away from me, how unhappy I would be, me and I, oh. The trees whispered in the wind, the waterfalls tinkled, and an old hoot owl hooted. 
suddenly a big bullfrog hopped out of the water and sat down on a log beside him. Ahem. Bug up, bug up, lovely evening, bug up, bug up. I said lovely evening, clunk, 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 clunk. I said beautiful evening, hello, bug up, hello, bug up, hello. But Tubby just sat. Oh, well, said the frog. Oh, well, if I'm not wanted. Oh, cried Tubby. Please, Mr. Frog, come back. I didn't mean to be impolite. Back up the frog. Oh, that's all right. I'm used to it. No one pays any attention to me either. Really? said Tubby. Why, of course. Every night I sit here and sing my heart out. But does anyone listen? No. Can you sing? asked Tubby. Can I sing? Listen. said Tubby. You try it, said the frog. Oh, thank you, said Tubby. Say, you're a very fine tuba. Do you know it? Tubby, you should try that on your orchestra sometime. Oh, I will, said Tubby. Goodbye, Mr. Frog. And off went Tubby, as happy as happy could be. Hmm, said the frog. Most appreciative audience I've ever had. Fine musician, that tuba. Bug up, bug up, lovely evening, bug up, bug up. I said lovely evening, clunk, 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 clunk. I said beautiful evening, hello, bug up, hello, bug up. Good night. The next day, the orchestra was busy tuning up for the rehearsal and buzzing with excitement over the arrival of the great new conductor, Senior Pizzicato. Tubby practices umpa and smiled to himself. Peepo the piccolo caught his eye. Feeling better? Aha, winked Tubby. Here he comes, called the French horn. Here comes Senior Pizzicato. All right, begin. And Tubby began to play his own little melody. Oh, that wretched tuba snapped the violins. He'll disgrace us. The trombone stuck out his tongue. And the trumpet snickered. Tubby, said Senior Pizzicato. Tubby, I've never heard a tuba play a melody before. Let's hear the rest of it. 
Wonderful, said the strings. Please, Tubby, may we sing your tune too? How about me, said the xylophone. And me, said the trombone. said the cellist here I come said people and they all played done it, haven't we, Tubby? It was the bullfrog sitting right beside him. We have our points, too, don't we? Oh, thought Tubby, how happy I am.
The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM, the Top of the South's community access media station, with support from New Zealand On Air. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz.